I just can't figure out if it's because you're advanced or because I'm stunted. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. I am McLovin. You do not talk about Fight Club. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Glacé Film Club podcast. And yesterday we are back in conversation. It's another one of those episodes where I have a chat with an interesting and creative person. And today is no different. I was joined by writer-director Hendrik Harms. Hendrik released his first film in 2018, The Music Box, it was called. And since then, he's gone on to release uh, several other films, including the one-minute short Love Connection. That actually won first place at a Rain Dance Film Festival competition. Um, he's a prolific writer and is working on a lot of other stuff. But as well as that, he's the organiser and founder of Worcester Film Festival, which is on the 14th to 16th of October this year and it's actually its first year it's taking place so very exciting we'll be chatting about all of that well that's enough of the intro i'm sure you want to dive into this conversation now and hear from hendrik himself so without further ado here's my conversation with hendrik harms hello welcome to the podcast Henrik, thank you for coming, joining me here for a nice little chat about film and loads of other stuff that you've been up to as well. Much appreciated. It's always great to have some um, new guests on here. And also, I know you've been very busy recently, and we'll get into that, talking about Worcester Film Festival. Um, as you heard in the intro, Henrik's a director, but also has been pulling together Worcester Film Festival, which is on the 14th to 16th of October, happening very soon. Obviously, we'll release this beforehand, get a bit of promo going. I'm very excited for that. But before we dive into that, I just wanted to ask you a bit about your background in film. You know, people that I chat to, on this and outside of the podcast have all different ways that they've got into the film world. It really does attract all sorts of weird and wonderful people. But what was kind of your first entry into loving film and also then getting stuck into actually making films? Well, firstly, it's nice to meet you too, Marcus. I'm glad to be here. Good to be able to chat. Um, oh, it's a, it's a long and convoluted story, that one is. So it started like I've always loved film. It's been something that's been like my hobby. I... It, when you're younger, um, everyone always seems to think that you're wasting your time when you just sit in front of the TV loads. And I can never really understand because I was like, but I'm happy here. Why can't you leave me be? Um, and uh, when you get older, you realise that it's actually film and watching it is a hobby in itself because um, it's just so versatile and, and it's such a unusual art form and it's changing all the time. And so I think what got me into the industry, though, is I was always interested in it, in it uh, from a writing perspective. But I started out um, actually trying to act. Uh, and uh, obviously jobs were slow because I, I, did, I didn't do, I didn't go to drama school or things like that. I did uh, media and communication at uni. So um, um, and I also jeweled it with criminology. So really it was a mixed bag in there. Uh, so I ended up joining a local Midlands uh, background agency. And so I was doing a lot of background work. And my very first time I actually like really experienced a proper set um, with actual, with all the bells and whistles on it was I went to Doctors, which was in uh, in Selly Oak in Birmingham. Yeah. And they were, they were really, really nice to me there. And over the years, I kept like going back and eventually had like this recurring barman role um 
on it. So, and it gave me, I got lines, I got little stories. Nice. I even had like a choreographed fight scene in it where I had to chuck <laughs> someone out of the bar. It was wild. Um, and that got me an agent. And then that got me doing some more jobs. Uh, but at one stage, um, I was waiting on like different uh, auditions to come through. And I was having these self-tapes. And one of the ones that came through was for a bouncer. Now, I'm I'm of average height, you know, and like I, I speak very well. And there was just there was nothing about this where I was like, I I'm not convinced there is nothing I could do to sell this role to someone and yeah, it was then asked, written for me. no this was not written for me hello excuse me could you please not come into the club no it just would not would not have worked in the slightest so i kind of just started thinking ah oh, i wish there was just more out there that i could use for like showreel stuff and so i came up with an idea of like writing and directing a short film that i'd make myself and mm-hmm. i'd take a role in it but a smaller one but enough that i could use a showreel footage um i ended up it like the whole film was like a tenor. I shot it on a DSLR and to a cinematographer's nightmare, shot it on auto because I'm not a camera person. <laughs> um, I did the sound. I acted in it, directed it. I edited it. I color graded it. I think the only thing I didn't do was the music. Um, and it, while we were doing this, the actress that I was working with asked me if I'd thought about just doing directing because it was one of the best experiences she'd had. And at the time, I was like, well, you can't just do that. I was always under the assumption that you had to like work up from like runner on a film set and get to, I didn't think I could just turn around one day and be like, I am a director. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I, uh, so I finished this film and I put it into some festivals and I, I thought, well, you know, I'll see how it does and then I'll take it from there. And I was nominated for best film at a BAFTA accredited festival for it. And I was like, oh, oh, maybe I don't suck at this. Maybe I am actually pretty good. So um, the next project was going on to a short film that was a Stephen King project uh, because he's great. If you are an up-and-coming filmmaker or just starting out, he I'll go to his website. He does these things called Dollar Babies. So for $1, you can get the rights to one of his short stories for like a year. And so you can just change it however you want. Um, and so I went from there. And now I've done... Um, six other short films um, through the pandemic I wanted to keep active so I did a series of isolation shorts uh, to raise money for the NHS and that's led me now to doing we're in development on first feature so that's a lot in three years but it's yeah it's been it's been great yeah that's exciting it's interesting what you're saying then about Stephen King I didn't know about that that's a that's a good tip for people for sure yeah but, yeah yeah, no, great to hear that you've kind of been very prolific with it. But one thing that you kind of stood out to me then, what you were saying, and I chat to this, chat about this a lot with people just in our different walks of it, is that difference between, so you said that you went to university and studied something in the area, but a lot of what you did and how, where you've got to where you know, now is just you kind of going out there, doing stuff and giving it a try. And especially what you said there about the film you made where you just kind of shot it, did sound, figured it out. And I, I've had this experience as well myself starting out in filmmaking is like you feel like you go into it and you should know so much more and I think that puts people off from actually getting stuck in but you realize that as you do throw yourself into it you actually develop so much more by just getting stuck in so what would you say then is the balance for you after actually having a bit of a formal education but then being involved in the world of tv and film just by throwing yourself into it how much has 
that given you as opposed to actually studying the area? I mean, it's really, it's, it's hard, isn't it? Because I think, um, I think you can always, I'm never against studying. Like I've done like intro to screenwriting courses and things like that to try and like sharpen it. Cause I'm self-taught on screenwriting as well as like the directing and things. Um, yeah. but like, obviously spirit animal in some cases is Quentin Tarantino because he said the best film school you can go to is watching film. And I really yeah. like that as a quote. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it's hard to say, isn't it? Because I think for, for me studying a bit in the area, it was interesting, but the, it gave me skills. Like I can, I can pretty much use any editing software. And I find that really, I find that really useful um, because through learning all of that, because um, one thing I found with directing is it's actually, it's, because I'm a storyteller at heart and that's what I want to do. And directing is also a form of storytelling, just like writing is. Um, But you also need to be able to visually see how it comes together. So I think it's good being able to know how to edit so you can see some of those processes. And also coming from an acting background now, it means I can also work with actors. So I've picked up a lot of things just by doing, Mm -hmm. but some of those key core skills I did learn at university, but you know, it's one of those things where I'd love to be able to see into a parallel world where I, um, I realized much younger, that this is what I wanted to do and went to film school and see how that actually would have changed what, what that would have given me different to the life experience. Yeah, no, I'll get you there. And it's very easy, isn't it, to look back and think that. And I imagine a lot of people do the same as like, oh, I wish I would have kind of started this a lot earlier on. But in many ways to get that passion for it just naturally is what gives you that drive rather than just the kind of the formal process of going through it. The fact that you've watched so many films that have inspired you to then go and do your own thing. I think that's when I do speak to people about it. A lot kind of come from that angle is they go, yes. Some have studied, some have been all through the film school stuff and, you know, I've got a lot from it and some are completely self-taught. But I think what everyone has in common is that you have to have the spark coming from somewhere other than just the kind of formal process of doing it. But then you're saying they're kind of, as a storyteller, obviously directing is kind of the main area you're going in now. In terms of kind of collaborations and stuff, because I had a look at, like you're saying, the short films that you've mentioned there as well, especially the one that you did, um, during lockdown and you, some big name actors in there how do you kind of view collaborations in like what are you looking for to work with someone is it someone who thinks like you or are you going in totally the opposite direction of thinking I like working with people who are totally opposite to me and we can go and create something um, together which I couldn't do on my own I think it's a uh, it's an interesting question actually I think it's kind of a mixed bag because it I think really it doesn't for me, it's not so much about the approaches to things. It's about the ethos you have. And because filmmaking is one of these fantastic jobs where you have such a short period of time to do something in, even if it's a feature, like it's, you still don't have, you're always against the clock as an AD will tell you, they are always, they're always (laughs) riding you to like get that shot done. And I think what I find interesting about it is that every single person on that set, no matter how, what, your working process is your work ethic has to be the same because on that day everyone has to bring their a game everyone has to be at the top of the game because if somebody in if someone like with lighting or with sound or if someone's off then the product won't be as good as it can be and i find that a really so it's more that i like 
I always like to have conversations with people. I always like to meet them on Zoom or meet them in real life and just have a chat with them because I think you can gauge a lot about how well you can work with someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And that is because it is, on the surface, it seems like just get some good actors together and get a good script together and you've got something great. But as you say, like there's so many intricacies to making a film like that you don't realise just the kind of, like you say, the time pressure. Someone's got to perform under pressure in that moment to deliver something that is timeless in the end, but is within that. So that's one thing that really excites me about the prospect, the um, about filmmaking, is that kind of the team work of it is not just okay a group of people working together, but it's that idea that just one different person in one different role can totally take a film in a different direction. And I think that's exciting because there is always an air of mystery to it. Like, I think that, you know, you can plan to a certain extent, but something that then happens when you're actually bringing people together is that's kind of where the magic is. And that's dead exciting. So it's good to kind of hear you say there about that. You know, you like to have that connection with people beforehand and speak to them. And that's kind of what drives you on. Well, it's even like, to... take... Sorry, just... Oh, no, no, go, just, uh, that isolation short that you mentioned we managed to like pull these people together for it and what we tried to do was we wanted to make it as dynamic as possible but also like as you know with like making this podcast doing things over the internet if you lose like even a bit of the audio a bit of the especially in a comedy you can lose the joke completely yeah, so yeah, we yeah, couldn't yeah. just do it with zoom so even even something like those isolation shorts that we made to look like zoom calls there was so much to them because i had to we would go on like this we would have a a like a zoom rehearsal we'd go over it and over it and over it until the script felt right then i'd hit record on the zoom record that then send it to them and they would listen to the other half whilst recording their own on their one end. Okay. So they'd just have like, they'd just be able to hear the other person. So they'd know when to react but from the recording. And then they'd send them, send all the files to me separately. And then I would have to go back into editor and put it back into a video format where it looked like they were all on the same video call and just edit it and get all the sound right, get all the timings right by pulling it all about. And just even doing those, it was an absolute like, logistical nightmare but it was so rewarding in the end and i think it's i think it's better because well like as you know it's if you miss if you're missing things if you're missing some of that then you're missing some of the story yeah especially like you said comedy timing is everything but with anything in film isn't it like that's where the editor's role is so important of bringing mm. that together um but yeah it's interesting to hear like you said i would put that together because obviously on the surface it looks like okay there's a zoom recording um but stylistically it's a whole new way of making a film as well but um yeah i enjoyed that one actually it was uh it was good i enjoyed looking through those ones that you've mentioned actually uh but just going back to what you're saying how you got into it and then now you kind of taking more of the lead as a director what is it just kind of like personally that you get satisfaction out of of directing as opposed to being the actor in something i think that for me with acting it is and i think it's for probably for a lot of people um it's it's a it's a craft in itself it is it really is and people i think even even when i was younger um, I'm, i'll be honest like i think there was a bit of a naivety there that i thought it would be the easier job because okay. you can be an actor whereas a lot of the crew elements of it I found you needed a lot of technical skills which I didn't have um, but then when it came to directing 
although yes like i've learned a lot of the technical skills um it's a lot again about visually storytelling piecing that together and knowing like what you want from the scene and what you want from the actor and it is a different it's storytelling in a completely different way using the script as a blueprint to really get the best out of everybody in the room on the day and i found that that's where i was better at like when i was going in for auditions as an actor i never felt like i was the best in the room whereas now i feel like i'm a contender when it's on the directing side because i know how to tell a story that's one thing i've always known it's always been something i've loved so that's been something that i can really like lean on and i suppose in a way directing out of all of the roles although it's like one of the top roles when you're on set there is there is like such an art to it that it's not just about your technical skill to be a director. You have to be able to be a storyteller, a visual storyteller as well. And I think that that's where I probably found the transition from. Because, I mean, I even heard in a podcast, um, the Roger Deakins one, that Sam Mendes, I think his first um, feature film was American Beauty. I mean, that's insane for a first feature yeah. to be brought yeah. on as a director. And he said he was so nervous but because he didn't know all the lingo. He didn't know all the things to say and what to do on the set. And it was his heads of department. And that's where bringing on people that you trust in your heads of department is mm-hmm. the most important thing. Because those, like the cinematographer said to him, don't worry about that. You just make sure the actors are doing the best that they can. And we'll worry about that stuff. Yeah, That's not what you need to worry about. And I think that it's a really like sobering thing for you going into directing. I mean, and like I said, with the doctors guys, what gave me like a really good jump start is when I did the Stephen King short, I emailed them and was like, hey, so I was your barman for years and now I've gone this way. Um, can I just come in? And so they let me come in and like shadow the director on an episode so I could see how it all worked and stuff. And I think it's being open and giving people the opportunities to see. Because I think that like a lot of it is like, which I'll get to in a second when we start talking more about like the festival and stuff is a lot of it's about um, visibility for young people that they don't Mm -hmm. know it's there. Like the only reason I came to it so late is because I wasn't aware that it was an option. Yeah, sure. No, that's quite fascinating what you say there in terms of the technical aspects against the kind of artistic aspects. That's what intrigues me so much about the role of director. And one of the reasons I was really keen to speak to you, because I've not actually spoken to that many um, within the podcast as well, is because, like you say, you've got so many technical roles on a film crew. It can be endless, the amount, um, when you scale it up. But the director can, yeah, you've got some really technical directors. But like you said, the main aim and drive of the director is to tell that story visually and in a way you want someone there who isn't out and out technically minded because you want someone to see that bigger picture and that's why I think it is fascinating and what you said absolutely aligns with that is that idea of someone there who in their head has got to picture this big thing coming together but they're the one person who's kind of orchestrating it and um, yeah, like you said, we can speak about that a bit more in a minute, but in terms of the uh, the crew and the opportunities there, but I, I kind of see what you mean in terms of you see film crew roles and jobs and you think, okay, this is the, the technical training I need to do, but there is a lot of it in terms of actually making films and I've spoke to people who have made them and a lot of it is in similar situation to you where you said just go for it get yourself in there and that's when you start kind of developing it you know the scale of things can be quite overwhelming i think this is it like because that first day i went from doing a short film where it was me doing everything 
yeah. on a £10 budget with a DSLR to then a full-fledged film shoot with, mm-hmm. I think we had like 23 crew members, five days, and that was the Stephen King one. And that first day, I was bricking it. Yeah. And I turned up to set, and we had the third AD. Um, he came up to me, he clipped a radio onto me, handed me the clipboard with all the script in, and then was on the radio going, director traveling, and I was literally like, Oh my god <laughs> it was so like but you just get into the room and everyone looks to you and be and goes so what are we doing and yeah. you can't you actually like it was literally trial by fire because you couldn't freeze you just had to go okay then we're doing this and off yeah. we go yeah. and i think i'm not saying like as well like i'm not saying you can't be as well like a technical director like i didn't want to sound that i no. was like knocking anyone that is i just think from my point of view when you go in so nervous i think it's actually nice to know that there are other people that that approach that job from a completely artistic standpoint because it it, it completely allowed it completely made me relax and be like okay there are others out out there like me. So if they can do it, why can't I do it? Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that's, that's a funny image that like the day one, it said you then got to make all the decisions very quickly. And I, I think absolute um, quick learning curve in terms of decision making there, isn't it? But uh, yeah, I think that's absolutely the way to do it. It's uh, fascinating to hear about. Um, but yeah, let's move on to the festival. Um, Worcester Film Festival, first year of it. 14th of October to the 16th, obviously has been delayed, but we've got there. And delayed. <laughs> and delayed and delayed, but we've made it there now. Um, just straight away, do you want to give us a bit of a overview of why you wanted to start it and kind of what was, what's your vision for it? Well, because alongside my filmmaking, I... I have I run two other companies. The film festival is one of them and another is a CIC. And they're all... All of it's there really because um, I wanted to help my area, I guess, to try and be more creative. So with the CIC, for instance, that I run alongside my filmmaking, which is a community interest company for those that don't know. And so it's kind of like half limited, half charity. And the idea of that one was when I do a shoot, I bring on uh, people from marginalized backgrounds or anything like that to come and shadow people to learn key skills to retrain into the industry. because I just want I, I would like more opportunities around here and it was the same with the festival because I'm always someone I've loved I've loved doing creative jobs and I live in Worcester in the Midlands obviously Worcester Film Festival and there there's a lot happening and it's getting a lot in this area with Birmingham as well it, it's it's getting better for the creative industries but it's taken a long time and what I always begrudged was my friends that were really like technical that could go work at Bosch or they could like be an accountant or they could do all of these things like that was they they could live here and they could do that. Whereas whenever I wanted to do something creative, I had to leave. I had to go to London. I had to do this. And I was like, well, well, why? We've there's enough infrastructure up here that we could do something like that i mean you've got i mean even in worcester alone you've got birmingham one side and then bristol and then north we've got manchester and london so you sit in the crossroads of it anyway so why can't the midlands have more that's where i approached it from and it's kind of what um the festival firstly came about was to show that people are interested i wanted to put it on to show everyone how much people love film here and how it can be and the people because we have um at the uni we have like a screenwriting course we have film production courses we have film study courses and we lose so many graduates 
because they finish and they're like, brilliant. Well, there's nothing here. So, and they leave. And I wanted to try and build retention in the educational institutions and just really try and like do my piece um, alongside everyone else to change the narrative in the area to be more creative. Um, because going back to like what I was saying earlier about like the visibility, like I didn't know this was a job. Um, and if you think about, look at all those people in the credits. There's so many jobs on a film set. You don't have to be like, you know, the DOP to have a job. I mean, there's all the different production designs and art departments, all of this stuff. I mean, I was speaking to someone that works for um, a big post-production house in London. I won't name drop them and I don't know if they'd want me to. But they basically, they were working there and they'd just come out of uni doing editing. And they were running DIT, just running some hard drives back and forwards. Um, and they went into one room and they saw, um, it was a David Attenborough documentary and it was being colour graded. And she was like, well, what magic is this? <laughs> and this whole studio was like, oh, it's, we're literally here to colour grade. That's our job. And she was like, it's a whole job. And she's now transitioned into it. And she's okay. absolutely incredible. She always helps me out with my short films. Um, and But that was it. She, she went to film school. And even she didn't know about like color grading. So I think what I really want to do is just show the visibility. If you love film, be a part of it. I mean, the I think the UK made something crazy like two and a half billion um, during the pandemic on in the film industry. I mean, that was when we were closed. And then because of the bottlenecking and stuff from last year, in the first quarter of this year, the film industry in the UK made over three billion just in one quarter. So it's just showing so much like the need and the want in this area i mean look at look at lockdown everyone was consuming netflix and all these things all we were doing was consuming art form that's all we were so and that's constantly going to keep growing um and that's really where the genesis of the idea for the film festival came from i wanted to attack it from all angles i wanted to attack by giving opportunities to people i wanted to make films and then i also wanted to then have something afterwards where there would be a film festival where people from the area or even people from abroad i mean we had submissions from 37 countries in the end for it for our first year i was really chuffed um and just really showed that this can be a place the midlands can be a place to change and that's that's where it came from yeah i mean it sounds great i love the ambition of it and also the actual reasoning behind it like, i think often it's easy just to kind of see a festival of just throw a few films together people rock up and there you go but the fact that this links into the wider work you're doing as well and obviously it'll only grow and support that even more so yeah i think that's great reasoning for it and also what you're saying to kind of show off the different roles and the different ways you can get into film because yeah absolutely like the industry's booming at the minute especially in this country and there's so much to get involved with and like you say i was very blind to it and still learn stuff all the time in terms of involvement in different areas and things like that because you just think there's the director there's the camera operator there's the actors done film but yeah the amount that goes into it is phenomenal so very exciting to hear about that in terms of actually just three days of it what's um what's got lined up what's the range of films that are going to be shown could you give us a bit of an insight into that yeah of course so we've got um over 100 films showing and everyone that we put through because again it was our first year we weren't sure the demand we were going to have so rather than doing what like some festivals do where you get the official selection and then nominated and then the winners we've pretty much done it as if you were selected you're in the pot to win like everyone's up for winning um one of the 11 awards we have 
Um, and we should be the trophy should be arriving tomorrow, which is very exciting. They look very exciting. nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we've got. I mean, we've got some. There's some absolute cracking films in there. Like there's there's horror films from like Cyprus, and there's just there's a real mix. Like I because I made isolation shorts in the pandemic. I was like, I bet I bet other people are as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I ended up doing was I opened a category simply for the isolation shorts. So at the beginning of each day, there's half an hour on at the beginning of each of the three days where we just show the isolation shorts that were done before we launched into the full program of um, short films, features and all the rest of it. Um, but it's a full, they're full days. Like uh, I think it starts, at, doors open at 10 and most of the time it finishes about 9 p.m. Uh, and then we're also like, we trying to again like engage with the city itself so we've got some events in the town which are basically just like networking where you'll just go afterwards and just um have some drinks you can if you're part of the industry you can chat and make different connections if you're just joe public who really likes film and went to see it you can go and just talk about your favorite film at these places um and then we've got some q a's lined up we've just uh we're in the middle of talking to um an actor that was in Vicar of Dibley and uh, and like Coronation Street and all the soaps and stuff. So hopefully we're going to, we just need to confirm him today. Um, uh, and yeah, then all culminating in a gala, black tie event, um, catered wine on the table, award ceremonies, the whole thing. It's going to be, I think it's going to be really special. And it's even nicer because we're coming out of such an unfortunate time. Like you said, it was delayed and delayed. And even the, the planning of this has been insane because even going to the venues and being like, how many people can I have? It actually changes week to week at the moment because <laughs> it's just, it's so up there. And then when, when there was like talk of maybe there being like another mini lockdown in October, I was like, don't you dare. Oh, please don't, <laughs> no, don't no. you dare. Because um, it's, it's been a long time coming. This was meant to be uh, 15th to the 17th of October, 2020, but we started planning it back in, I think June 2019. So this one festival has been like the planning has been like forever, and we've had to yeah. change the scale of it, move it around, different things with with the way it's changed and the climate. But I think this will be a testament to all the work. I hope it's a testament to all the films that are submitted and that people have a good time. Um, and yeah, then hopefully we can grow from here and actually get bigger and start looking at different different things for the second year but it's it's uh it's definitely been um an eye-opening because even planning the gala like most people if you were having a gala for something else that wasn't a film festival that's an event you plan in itself not like three days of films and i think that really when i was starting this i was like oh it'll be fine It'll be, it'll be fine. It's future Hendrick's problem. It's yeah. not mine. But future Hendrick is is here now. It's now present Hendrick, and present Hendrick is pissed. <laughs> I can imagine. But I mean, it all sounds so exciting. And what I love as well is that you took the decision to uh, postpone and stick with a physical event rather than um, go for an online event, as many festivals did. Which, you know, great, and they've been fantastic to keep films putting out there, but... Like you say, all the the kind of magic that will come from people meeting each other and actually seeing the films in the cinema, I think well worth the wait. And yeah, kind of hats off you taking that risk and um, sticking with it, even like you said, it's still unpredictable now trying to put something together. So yeah, I think it'd be absolutely worthwhile, I'm sure. Well, it just, everyone who attends will appreciate it. 
it just seemed a shame for the first year. This was the first one, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and like for it to be online, it that's not a way to kick it off, I guess. It was what I was thinking. And I because being a filmmaker myself, I knew what the virtual ones were like. And I'm not I'm not knocking them. I think it was a brilliant idea. And it showed some real ingenuity, what people did to actually like move their festivals onto an online platform. Mm-hmm. But I just knew that part of it for me whenever i go to a festival it's it's the networking it's going for the drinks afterwards yeah. it's not for, for me it's not even really watching the films it's who i can meet when i'm there you know mm-hmm. and if you miss that entire step then and when it was when we started like planning this one for this year and knowing that we were going to have to like um be a little bit more reserved in our planning just due to the climate um i still wanted to try and do as much as possible because for a lot of people that I've spoken to it's one of the first events they'll be attending since lockdown yeah, so yeah. it will be it's actually now uh, originally another another reason why I wanted to do it was to bring people together I mean from 2016 whether it's been Brexit or politically like there's been massive fracturings in the way that people have felt and like people have been getting angrier and it's like the whole scope and scape of like the UK has been changing so much and so rapidly over the years that I originally but even before the pandemic the idea I wanted to put on is because no matter what your affiliations are no matter what your age is the one thing that people have in common is film like Mm -hmm. whether you whether I watched Back to the Future when I was a kid or someone was much older than me and went to see it in the cinema you you can still talk about how much you love Back to the Future and that is that does there's no creed involved in it yeah. it's just yeah, yeah, yeah. for the love of that project and i think it's such so i wanted the film festival to be a kind of healing and then this happened <laughs> this year happened well year and a half happened and it's even more relevant now than it was sure. before yeah no i think that's great and especially what you say there kind of the way of bringing people together over one shared topic because that's the beauty of it and especially especially over the course of 3 days so much wonderful and beautiful sc- stuff to discuss that people will see at the event never mind what they're bringing uh, like-minded people together and i think that's kind of the beauty of that and the ambition and what you have planned already sounds fantastic so yeah i'm sure it'll be a great event for everyone thank you for sharing with us the updates of it there just one thing i wanted to one more i wanted to ask on that in terms of your vision for it for the future how do you see it um growing or how what do you see the impact of it being down the line in a few years what i would like in a few years time is to see year on year it grow a little bit more so in the Mm -hmm. sense of like even if that's made we're seeing more midland slash worcester films being made because it's actually made people stick around and there's jobs here and um and then also if people are filmmakers if i can grow this um, then it means that there might be opportunities to hire people, to bring people on, because a lot of times filmmakers need day jobs. So what better thing to do than work in something to do with film, even if it's a film festival, you know? So yeah. there's a lot of what I would like to do. My my ultimate goal for this would be multiple venues with multiple screenings. So like the people that maybe want to catch comedy but not bothered by horror, um, they can go to different places um big q and a's workshops going into schools and actually like teaching them about film and like what we've got going on and then having mornings specifically for kids um and then really it make it a festival 
in every sense of the word. So when you go down like the high street, you see you can see stalls that ha are selling posters or like, you know, the little film uh, Lego figurines and stuff like that, like all that kind of stuff just going around the shop the shop windows they've all done like uh displays of their favorite films so maybe clothes shops have a, like a diehard display mm -hmm. with some tank tops and stuff and just everywhere you look it be a festival and actually like get bands like these have wristbands so you can go into different things like like i said full-on festival what you would expect from a music festival but a film one yeah fantastic and, and like what you're saying with Worcester as an area anyway you know you said you've got the infrastructure it's set up there to host something um of that scale and bring people together from across the country so I don't see any reason why you won't be able to get there um so yeah I'll, I'll be backing you all the way um but yeah in terms of like the future from what we were talking about before with your own filmmaking what do you have lined up in the immediate future and what plans do you have for other films that you want to put together well I have um I am a prolific writer, so I have about uh, 12 features and seven shows ready that I could start working on. Amazing. But at the moment, I've we've gone into develop, development on my first feature, which is very exciting. Um, I can't say too much about it at this stage, but I will say it's about a serial killer who doesn't feel like she is getting enough attention. And so she murders a celebrity and takes his head back to her apartment and expects the police to come and swiftly arrest her but they never turn up so um she ends up over the course of several weeks making friends with this head and actually having fake conversations with it and it slowly starts to become a conscience um okay. a fledgling conscience for her and it's a bit of a dark comedy that looks at this um putting voices in other people's mouths, how we assume to know celebrities. It's looking at this wanting 15 minutes of fame going viral and wanting the blue tick and all of... It's very much a look at that kind of culture and stuff, but from a very warped angle. So that yeah. one, we're like well into development now. Um, we've cast, got executive producers. Um, so hopefully it should all be kicking off pretty soon, which is very exciting. Yeah, amazing. I like the the running theme uh, in your writing of just quite deep thought into it. And like my favourite type of films are the ones where there's a real big issue where it's kind of gone into in real detail. Like I'm not a massive action fan. I love something that's a bit philosophical and a bit of a thinker. Like I often say my favourite films are just when like sat in a room for an hour and a half and they're having a chat um, because you can go into all those uh, areas. But yeah, I like the sound of that for sure. In I terms of areas... Sorry, go on. No, I was going to say that's uh, it's that's always something I've wanted to do, and it took me a while because I was very I was writing very commercially to begin with, um, mm -hmm. and then I was then I wanted to try and find out what it is that I wanted to say as a filmmaker, mm -hmm. and uh, I think that's I always find that really interesting because I think you can write commercially and and also infuse it with pertinent like social topics philosophical topics that you can talk about and especially because i i prefer surreal that is what i will write all day every day because the moment you put you like put the audience off kilter in a really surreal setting that is not normal you can pretty much have free reign to talk about what you want yeah, and yeah, yeah. If, if maybe you walk away and someone learns something from your film even better yeah yeah so what would you say kind of like are your inspirations in terms of filmmaking is like one type of film um or a writer that kind of captures your imagination that you've learned from 
there is, I think what really started to give me um, that thought was Mike Flanagan. That is a man, I love that man so much because he, he's like, it's not so much, I mean, he's done her, she has done some films, but he's probably more more known for Haunting of Hill House and the latest Midnight Mass and stuff like that. Um, and I just, I saw an interview with him. And so he was obviously tasked with adapting this celebrated um, ghost story, Haunting of Hill House, that's been around since the 50s, is it? I believe. Um, but maybe earlier, I don't know. I really should have checked that before I started speaking. Um, I'll put it in the, the past. <laughs> it was in the past. Um, but yeah, so he had this beloved book that he had to adapt. Yeah. Uh, and But it's the way he approached it. And I just found it fascinating because he didn't just want to do ghosts. He looked at, he looked at what ghosts mean. And he mm-hmm. said to him, ghosts are wounds, ghosts are trauma. So he then used the ghosts to reflect the things that the characters were experiencing throughout the series. And I thought, well, isn't that just the cleverest thing? Because not only then do you have a really good horror story that someone is telling, it's got an entirely other layer underneath, which really, with just a little bit of intelligent thinking, hasn't, it's not like it hasn't taken that much to add, but it gives something an entirely new depth to be able to discuss past the commercial aspect of it and that was i suppose that's why he really resonates with me i would say i love his stuff yeah 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 no i I think it's always good to have that kind of you know person that you can see both for the inspiration but also to kind of guide like you said what what stories are you trying to tell like you can write something that's just going to be popular but like you said as a kind of storyteller and a filmmaker you want to be able to feel that kind of drive and passion of you telling a, a specific type of story in terms of, you said you're working on your first feature at the minute, apart from just scale of production, what would you say the differences have been from putting together a short film and a feature film? The, the amount of steps involved. Okay. Like with shorts, you can pretty much like, once, you've, once you nail the script, like pre-production and like casting the locations, everything just seems to snowball really quickly. That, that just happens very quickly. Whereas... Um, features are a lot slower you're waiting Mm -hmm. on um especially depending on who you're talking to you're waiting on agents you're waiting on casting directors you're waiting on funding bodies you're waiting on you're waiting on everything basically basically the one thing i've learned about a feature is you've got to be patient (laughs) if you want it to be and i'm not i'm very much like this person that's refreshing their emails like every five seconds to be like nope nope still nothing new nope nope still nothing new um and i think that that is the biggest scale up of it is the time involved in it uh because you i mean i um, granted i don't i don't actually recommend anybody do this but um i'm very much with my shorts i've not been a planner necessarily which hasn't been always um that hasn't always been the best idea uh but it's been like, so I think we did a Christmas film a couple of years ago and it took us uh, 30 days, I think, something like that, from inception to release. Okay. And um, we did a, recently, uh, we did a one minute short film for a rain dance competition. And I wrote it on something like the Tuesday or the Monday. We went to London on the Wednesday and filmed it 
I edited it on the Thursday and submitted it on the Thursday night. And that was so like, it was like a three, four day like turnaround on it. And so when like, I could, like I'd message like the guy that I have for my composing and I'd just be like, I've got a new film I need you to compose. And he was like, what's the time frame? I was like, literally like, I need it now. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I think features have been so, um, so much of a bit because I'm used to just like flying by the seat of my pants a little bit and just, yeah. whereas you need so much more planning because so much is involved, which is good. Yeah. It's good. To, it's good. The planning is good. And that's, it's more just because I, with competitions, you'll sometimes um, see it and be like, oh my God, the deadline's in like four days. How do I do this? Yeah, that's quite fascinating to say, but that's kind of how it scales up, doesn't it? Like at a massive rate, like you said, a short film, you can kind of keep it really tight with who you've got in there and the time it takes. But then taking that next step is not just, oh, a few more people doing a few more things. Like you said, go. it's, it's a much bigger scale, which kind of takes it to a, a different level. But uh, no, I, I like what you're saying there, though, in terms of the short films that you've made. I think you do need some that level of spontaneity and just drive to kind of get the story out there and done in a lot. And I think a lot of great stuff just get made by a lack of admin and a lack of hesitation just by throwing it out there and getting it done. So, Well, yeah. that one that we did in like four days, it won the competition and I've now got um, a nice like tickets to Raindance this year which is going to be a fantastic opportunity, especially being development on my feature. It will give me unprecedented access to people that I probably wouldn't have been able to speak to before. So it, like it, it works and probably the best advice I could ever give to anybody when anybody ever asks me um, when they've come out of uni uh, that I think people are told a certain way because we do have an old guard type attitude in the UK about how we do things and especially in filmmaking and they come out and, they talk to me and they go, oh, that's, but that's not the way it should be done. And I'm not really a believer in the way it should be done. I'm the way that if whatever works for you is, is like, if you want to make a film, just do it, you yeah. know, just make yeah. it. I mean, even if you have to do it on your phone, it like, I mean, on the, my, the DSLR one that I made, my first one, it didn't look very good. Like I said, mm-hmm. I shot it on auto. And like, even if any cinematographers listen to this podcast, they're probably just going to like, turn it off in rage the fact that I've even said that and I'm sorry I'm really sorry if you're listening um but yeah that you just do it and it's like Mark Duplass he's a American actor and um he said just go out on weekends you want to be a filmmaker go out on weekends with a camera with your phone with anything and just make things with your friends that's the that's the way you learn it's the way you cut your teeth mm-hmm. it's not it it's not a closed off industry it shouldn't be a closed off industry to anyone yeah i think that is the point there like you make the idea the story the writing is so much more powerful than the actual visual itself i mean yes uh, a beautiful visual is very satisfying and there's some films out there that exist just on the visuals but a good story will always pull through and that's why like you say you want that you turned around really quickly won the award it's you don't have the time to do something huge on it, but you've written something which is powerful and comes through. And I think that's the thing that will always be beautiful with film is that no matter what you are watching, the scale of it, what genre it is, people connect with stories and that's kind of what brings us together. And that's what always keeps me coming back for more is that feeling you get when you connect with something like that. And I think writing, yeah, it's one of the most powerful parts of it. Well, exactly. I think this is it. Like with that first one I did, that 
that was the biggest learning curve for me when I went to the, that BAFTA festival because seeing it nominated for best film and it wasn't best short film it was best film because I have a tendency to overwrite like this was this was my first short and it was 51 minutes like okay. it, I, I should have just kept going and made it a feature and just been yeah, like yeah, yeah. that's my first film um and so it was up because it was so long it was up for the best feature award and I was blown away because the other ones it was up against were like I'm talking about like I've seen them on now tv they're like cinema grade perfect films and mine was like well like I said but when it finished screening like I sweated into my chair all the way through it and then when it finished and it got a standing ovation I was like oh and I because partly I was like why <laughs> like yeah, yeah, what yeah, yeah. but it, it it's the power of a story people connect with the story they can see past a lot of the, how it looks and stuff although the a funny anecdote about that is when it came to the award ceremony they did it they did it with like massive screens and they did like an actual announcer to be like and the nominations are and then would show clips of the films and i was like sliding down in my seat because i was bookended mine was there was three up for the award mine was the middle one shown and the other two either side of it were like i said cinema grade and then it showed mine in the middle and i was like oh <laughs> like people are probably like turning their seats, being like, "Is this, is this a mistake? Like, what, what's happening here? What? Why is this? Why is this up?" Yeah, um, the clip of it. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, I totally agree with that. And there's something that I've kind of come to realise more and more is how much that story is what connects people. So amazing to hear that you are churning stuff out that on a frequent basis but that is connecting with people as well so yeah keep at it for sure um but just one thing i just kind of wanted to ask before we finish up just more yeah. generally in terms of your filmmaking what would be your kind of ultimate aim in what you're putting together now you said like your first feature films being worked on now but where would you want to be as a director going forward and what type of stuff do you want to be putting together I think I'm going to be someone that's probably going to be a writer-director most of the way through. I'm not saying that I would never want to work on anyone else's projects, not at all, <laughs> but I've at, at the time of where I am at the moment and I see the list of things that I want to make, it's, it's too much. So I think what like a lot of what I like is I like very moody, very surreal, like we use quite a lot of neon lighting and stuff, even if it's like orange or purples or things like that. I like... I like that's going to be my aim I think I would really like to do something that's like a proper noir piece um and yeah one thing I w I think I'd like to move into eventually but it's a it's a trickier one like films actually you'd think they'd be more difficult but films are easier than say trying to get into like television mm -hmm. um because what I would like is to do limited series because I really, I liked, as I said about Love doing a, a first series. short that was 50 <laughs> minutes, I like to tell a story because yeah. as a viewer, and again, it's probably one of the reasons I, I resonate so much with Mike Flanagan's work is as a viewer, I really like that feeling of when you get to the end and you felt like you've been rewarded for being the viewer. Yeah. So like the things you can pick up on, the things where like it calls back, the little things you can drop. You can do that in a film, absolutely. But you follow a series for like five to ten episodes and you get this great callback to one thing that happened in episode two and there's been <laughs> that much forethought put into it. It does make you feel like, yeah, what watching it as someone that consumes it makes you go, oh, yes. You feel like you're there with them 
because yeah. you've you've got it, you've picked it up on their vision, and that's I think that would be my that would be a good goal. Yeah, yeah, and but yeah, builds that connection even more. And I mean, I love a limited series in the way of what you say there. It's like the premise of a film that you get the um, closed off kind of portion of time to tell a story that completes itself, unlike a series where they just you know, knock out another series after another one. Um, but yeah, you get that more time to connect with the characters, develop that story. Um, yeah, and I think that's an unbelievable goal to have. And all of the other stuff you said, very exciting. And I hope you do manage to crack on and I'll be keeping up to date watching the latest stuff that you get out there. Well, I think that's probably covered some good ground there. Um once again thank you very much for having the chat i am very excited for the festival sounds like you've put a lot of hard work into it i imagine you've got um some busy days ahead now leading up to it but um once it gets round, i'm sure you'll be able to enjoy it and um seeing everyone there will be fantastic and also great to chat to a director and hear about your view on films and everything in that area so yeah thank you very much no no and... thanks for having me on it's always it's always nice to chat i think that's the best thing about the industry isn't it networking and talking to people probably my favorite thing to do because yeah it's so varied people's opinions are so varied for sure for sure i said it the film industry has a real mixed bag of people in and that's the beauty of it and that's why you get so many different kind of artistic endeavors because you're getting people from all over and with different thoughts so yeah great too and like you said film festivals opportunity to um, get back and start chatting to people again so hopefully the industry is going to benefit from the return of festivals cool well thank you very much i will um be getting the opportunity to meet you in person soon and um very excited look forward to that so enjoy the time building up to it hope there's no bumps in the road um in the organization touchwood and i'll see you there thank you very much until next time and until we have another chat with someone else on this podcast thank you everybody for listening so there we have it that was my conversation with henrik harms i hope you enjoyed it i certainly did it was really interesting to hear what he's been up to get the director's insight into being on set and his process in writing and then blending this together and actually putting the story together. And also his plans for the future. He was telling us how prolific a writer he is. So he's got loads in the locker there that he wants to get stuck into. And as he said, currently working on his first feature-length film. So that's going to be fantastic to check out once that's completed. I'd fully encourage you all to go and check out what he's um, released already. You can head over to the Harmsway Studios YouTube channel where you can check out the films that we were talking about. Um, They're all on there. Well worth a watch. And then also, of course, we talked about Worcester Film Festival, 14th to the 16th of October. It's just round the corner now. All the brilliant stuff going on. Hendrik Field is in there, so it's going to be a great event. I'm very excited. We'll be in attendance, hoping to meet some other like-minded people there, and I'm sure the films will go down a treat. If you want to attend yourselves, go to worcesterfilmfestival.co.uk. You can get tickets there and check out the programme to find out what's going on. But that was that. Another conversation, another fascinating road that we took. We spoke to a director. Great to get these mix of different insights on the podcast, and we'll have plenty more lined up for you very soon. 